Thank y'all so much for that. While our young'uns are getting ready to go toward uh, children's to church, I just want to invite you to open your copy of God's Word with me to the 119th Psalm. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Y'all doing good? That's great. Looks like everybody's great. All right. There's my man Eli. What's up, buddy? All right. Good to see y'all today. There's some cookies back there somewhere. I know he, Eli's the cookie monster. I tell you, he likes Hey, there's Madeline. Good to see y'all this morning. Uh, just a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. And I, like I tell you and I remind you regularly, well, I think we've all learned, don't ever take it for granted. Amen? We've certainly learned that in the last months, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here today. Psalm 119, verse 121, we'll read today. The words are on the front of your worship guide. They're also on the screen, and they'll be... Uh, we'll read together. So if you found your place physically able, would you stand with me and honor and reverence the reading of God's Word. Psalm 119, and we're going to pick up in verse 121. Good morning. Here's what the Bible says. The psalmist said, I have, done right, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold, yes, more than fine gold. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Father, in Jesus' name, pray you'd speak mildly to our hearts today. God, that you would help us as we open the word today. God, you would help me to make known the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, that today we could help your people walk more closely with you, love you more dearly, see you more clearly, and walk with you more nearly. And Father, for those that yet to surrender their life to your Lordship, yet to trust you as their one and only Savior and Lord, I pray that the scripture today, along with the Spirit of God, would make them aware of their condition and lead them to repentance today. I pray, God, that we leave here today different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. Psalm 119, verse 121 and 128's where we read. And today I want to speak to you on the subject of the heart of a true servant of God when we hear a statement like that or a title it causes us to ask ourselves what does it really mean to be a true servant of God what does it look like well most of us have witnessed the testimony of others throughout our life who profess to be servants of God yet through their actions had an underlying personal agenda that was focused much more on their personal agenda and personal happiness than being faithful to the Word of God. Even throughout my years of ministry, I have experienced 
that heartbreak. The heartbreak of discovering that people that you thought had it all together, that were walking with God, were not living lives of transparency and faithfulness on the inside, even though everything looked to be okay on the outside. The cover looked real good, but once you got inside the book, something just wasn't right. We've even experienced that in recent days, and it's just difficult, and it never gets easy. But regardless of what's going on around this church, we need to know this. We can always look deep inside the Word of God, and in the Word of God, we can discover what lies in the heart of a true servant of God. Now, the word servant occurs 14 times in the 119th Psalm. And I told him in early service, and I'll tell you too, I know that all of you have children that were absolutely perfect, and you told them one time to do something, and they did exactly what you said. You never had to repeat yourself. That's a, that's a dream world, isn't it? The reason we have to repeat ourselves is we're raising, we're training, we're investing in that child so that when that child reaches maturity and adulthood, that they can be productive, that, that, that they won't, you know, just that, that they'll know the way to go. We teach them these things, and by doing so, we have to say things more than once. And uh, I don't know if y'all ever heard this, but I believe I heard it. Don't make me tell you again. Y'all ever hear that? Okay, all right, just checking. So we're all among brothers and sisters here today. Well, when it comes to understanding Scripture, we understand this. God reminds us of things repetitively because he really desires for it to stick and for it to become a part of who we are, our spiritual DNA, if you will. And by repetition, that's how we learn. Whether it's learning to read, where it's learning to write, where it's learning to do anything of value, you're going to have to do that over and over in order to be able to be proficient at that. So when it comes to being a servant, 14 times in one chapter, the Lord says, I want you to be my servant. Now, in this stanza, we see that as being the heart of the message because in verse 125, the psalmist says very simply but very straightforward, he says, I am your servant. Speaking of that sentence, Danny Aiken said this. He said, these words, I am your servant, they capture the essence of verses 121 through 128 and provide a roadmap into the heart, mind, and emotions of the man or woman who delights in being a servant of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know some people think that coming to Jesus is like getting a prison sentence. Like all your joy is going to be took away and all the fun you used to have is going to be gone. But what they don't realize is, is when you come to Jesus, you drink from a different fountain, you have a new purpose, uh, and you are indwelt by a new person. Amen? So no, it's not what you give up. It's what you receive. It's, it's not being in bondage, ladies and gentlemen. Coming to Jesus is being set free from the bondage that sin once had on your soul. So as servants of God, when we look for examples, and I want to say this to you, you should look for and you should be an example to others of what it means to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
it's great for you to have people in your life that model servant leadership for you that are mentors in your walk with God that is wonderful that is helpful and it is spiritually healthy but I want you to know when we look for these models and we look for these mentors, we must always remember that the ultimate example of a true servant is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Mark 10, 45, he said this. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He, he didn't come to see what he could take. He came to see what he could give. And can I tell you this? He wasn't just the best servant. He was the greatest giver because he gave of himself completely and totally every drop of blood from his body that you might have an eternity with the Father. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's our example of servant and being a giver. So everything we believe about being a servant of God must always be measured by the standard that Jesus, hear me, not your neighbor, not your grandparents, your parents, or anybody you respect, but Jesus must always be your standard of servant leadership. So when we see these things, I want to walk through the text with you for just a little bit today. And I want you to notice some things with me, if you will about how we see that the psalmist speaks to us about what truly lies in the heart of a true servant of God. Well, the first thing we notice about the psalmist is in verses 121 and 122 is that he encountered continual oppression. I, I don't know how you believe about this, but I believe the word of God is clear that God cares about his children, amen? He cares about those that serve him. He, he does not want to prevent us from all of the oppression that we might experience. He doesn't always keep us from harm and even times of danger, but he always allows these things to happen to prepare us and to bring out his ultimate purpose in our life. As a child of God, you will experience oppression because you've taken a stand for Jesus. To preach of the gospel, I had to learn real quickly that not everybody's going to like what you have to say. My personality is I want you to like me. Amen? I don't know anybody. If any of you woke up this morning and said, I just want to see how many people will not like me today. I don't see how many people I can tick off today. Then you have a heart problem, sir, ma'am, and we need to talk after service. But I'm just saying, nobody really wants, no, that's not true. None of us want to be that way. Well, I've met a few people that way, but none of y'all, okay? But my point is, is this. I, my personality is I want you to like me because I like you. I really want I try to like people. I know people who try to find fault in everybody and reason not to like people. I try to see the good in you and try to find the good things. So I really want to like you. I want you to like me. But the fact of the matter is when it comes down to the truth of the word of God, one of the hardest things for me to understand and get over, if you will, as a preacher of the gospel is, is when you take a stand for God, there's stuff you're going to have to tell people that are living in sin and walking away from God that they're not going to like. It's tough. It's hard, and it's something that I, I talked with an older pastor one time, and I shared that word. I said, it really is hard, and he told me, he said, don't ever let your heart get callous to where you can tell people hard things and you start liking it. Amen? That's good news. Amen? That's good advice. Because here's the deal. I don't like to have to tell you some things I have to tell you. I don't like to have to present some hard truth to the Scripture, but I realize this. My faithfulness to him is of the utmost importance, whether or not it's accepted by the world or not. So he sincerely cares. He wants to fulfill his ultimate purpose for our life. So as we talk about the continual oppression, notice how he talks about he asked for protection from abandonment. In verse 21, he says, hey, uh, don't leave me here. Don't leave me here with these oppressors. 
But before he said that, he says, I have done justice and righteousness. What was the psalmist doing? I know some of you are saying, well, he's pretty proud of his service. He's a little bit arrogant, wasn't he? Absolutely not. Let me help you in the original language. Here's what we learned. The psalmist was not boasting, but affirming to the Lord that he was not guilty of anything that was worthy of punishment. He told, reminded, or no, we'll say reminded, he spoke to the Lord in a way to say that he knew he was a man of integrity, he had a clear conscience, and he had treated others fairly and practiced holy laws diligently. What was he saying? He said, Lord, I, I believe your word. I believe your law. I accept it as true. I believe walking in integrity is very important in that my conscience is clear. I've treated other people right. Amen? I've treated other people right. Do you know it matters how you and I treat people in the world today? Our testimony is very important of how faithful we are outside of these walls because what we do either drives people away from the cross or pulls people toward the cross. You see, the psalmist believed that trusting in God would make a difference in how things went. Here's what the psalmist said. When, when, when you came into my life, my trust in you affected how things went in my days, weeks, months, and years. Let me, let me ask you this today. Is anybody here today, could you testify and say, you know what, since the Lord came into my life, things are different. Since God became the center of my world and fulfilling his purpose became my ultimate goal, and since he became Lord of my life, things have just been different around the house. Amen? I believe that with all of my heart. I sat with a group of men one time around the campfire. I'll never forget this. And this guy named Jimmy, he had came to the Lord during a revival service. And, and, and during that time, there was just some guys talking. And he whooped out his old handkerchief like I got right here. And he wiped his eyes real good. And he said, Preacher, I just got one thing I want all these men to know. He said, Since Wednesday night when I gave my life to Jesus, things have been different down at my house. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you today, when you trust him and you give your heart and life to him, I want you to know it will make a difference in the way you walk and the way you talk, where you go, what you do, how you treat people. Hey, he'll, you know what he said? Here's what the psalmist David said. In Psalm 40, he said this. He said, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry and he brought me up out of a horrible pit in the miry clay and he set my feet on a rock and established my goings. And here's my favorite part. And he put a new song in my heart. He put a new song in my heart. He even prays under our God. Many shall see it in fear and trust him. Ladies and gentlemen, when he comes in and he puts a new song in your heart, he changes everything about you, and I want you to know you'll want to live to bring glory to him. He's worthy. He's worthy. He said, Lord, just don't leave me to my oppressors. You know what he was saying? Lord, I've committed my total care to you. I remember sitting with a doctor one time when my girls was having a bunch of tests and didn't know what was wrong. And I remember sitting there with a doctor and he was one of only a few doctors in the state of Georgia that even did pediatric rheumatology. He said, I'm going to do everything I can to find out what's wrong with your daughter. And I looked to that doctor and I said, Doctor, I'm going to have to trust you to do just what you told me you'd do. 
Do you know why I trusted Dr. Vogler at Children's Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia? Because he was an expert where I'm not. I trusted him because he had years of experience and he had all these different things and I felt like it, he was the only one that could help me. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that's just what happens on this side of the grave. I want you to know today there is one who will take care of you past the grave. <laughs> and you know why I trust him? You know why I submit to him? You know why I place my all in all in him? Because of his resume. Oh, this is good stuff right here. It's worth your trip. You know why I trusted Dr. Vogler? Because he had all kinds of plaques on the wall and all kinds of pictures and all kinds of experience and all kinds of awards. And I thought, you know what? This is the place I need to be with my daughter. But I want you to know on the other side of the grave, there's one who has a resume of this. I got up from the dead and my name is Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm going to trust him. Amen. I'm going to trust him because of his resume. To God be the glory. He didn't just want protection from abandonment, but he asked God for the presence of assurance. That's an interesting statement there in verse 122. He said, be surety of your servant for good. That word surety is this. It is one who assumes the obligation or failure in duty to another. Here's what he was saying, Lord, I need you to guarantee my well-being. I don't know about you, but my well-being is not dependent upon what I can do or you can do, but it must be dependent upon what only he can do. The psalmist did this. He affirmed to the Lord, Lord, I've stood up for you. I need you to stand up for me. <laughs> why did he need the Lord to stand up for him? I want to tell you why the same reason you need God to stand up for you in 2021. He knew this. His enemies were seeking to harm him. They were seeking to oppress him. They were trying to get him to be quiet. They were trying to seduce him, trying to bully him, anything they could do to get him to compromise. And I want you to know, once again, when you take a stand for the word of God, people will try every way in the world to get you to compromise its truth. I, I've never had difficulty with unbelievers I've never had difficulty with people beyond the walls. The difficulty you will have when you stand for truth are those who are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees are the legalists. They want you to keep all the rules. The Sadducees are the liberals. They want you just to let anything go. Amen. They just want y'all just live and let live, preacher, lead. No, 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 look, there's a book here that tells me I cannot live that way, nor can I lead other people to live that way. It's not that you would live and let live. It's that you would live and let him live in you. God, help us. Help us today that we understand that. He needed God to do that for him. But his stand for what was right required something of the Lord and I want you to hear me when you stand for God it's going to require something that only God can do for you it's going to require the Lord's presence the Lord's power the Lord's promise and the Lord's protection and the psalmist knew this the psalmist needed his master to stand with him as he continued to stand for the Lord you know what I'm learning the longer that I continue to serve God and walk with God and be on this journey with Jesus? I'm learning that I need him more today than I ever have. 
I'm learning that I have not learned how to do anything on my own. I cannot walk up these steps. I want to tell you something about a pastor's life, okay, in case you don't know. Saturdays are tough. Because sometimes on Saturdays, I have such a burden for what God has put on my soul through the week to stand here and tell you on Sunday. I'm telling you, some days it feels as though just a cinder block is sitting on my chest. Somebody says you need to see a cardiologist. No, it's not that. Not that kind of chest. I'm talking about the burden of God. You know what I think a lot of preachers have done today? They've lost their burden. They've lost their burden for lost people. They've lost their burden for the church. They've lost their burden for the commitment to the word of God and the purpose of God. And you know what's happened? When the preacher loses his burden, the church will lose theirs. Vance Abner said, if there's a mist in the pulpit, it'll create a fog in the pew. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me today. I've got a deep burden on my soul for God to use his church like never before. Whew. Lord have mercy. You know what I know this? It's true. We can't go on our own. We got to go in his strength. We got to trust his promise. We got to trust in his protection. We've got to trust in his presence and power. We cannot do this on our own. In verse 123, he talks about diligence as he says, as he talks about consistent obedience, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. He talks about diligence in verse 123. I love this. He says, my eyes fail from seeking your salvation. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation. Here's the picture. The word picture there is the psalmist is waiting and enduring the adversity from his oppressors. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to encounter adversity. But in that time, the psalmist is learning more and more that God cares for his servants. One thing God doesn't do, as I told you earlier, he doesn't always keep us from being oppressed. But he always reveals the purpose of our pain at their proper time. And ladies and gentlemen, he has a purpose in our pain and in our delays. The word picture is this, of a shipwrecked mariner who has found his way to an abandoned island. And on that island, he climbs up to the highest point he can find. And he scans the horizon. And he's constantly looking for the presence of a sail. Because if he sees a sail somewhere in the distance, that means there's a possibility of rescue. That means that there may be a lifeboat out there, one that's still floating, one that still has a sail hoisted high that can make its way over to where he was and rescue him from where he is. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know you and I have to, need to have that same kind of burden for the word of God. Oh, that we would scan the horizons looking for God to reveal his purpose and plan. And when we feel as though we're oppressed, instead of trying to find comfort in the things of this world, we would look to the things that only God can do. Reminded me of something I read yesterday. I shared with our men in the prayer room this morning. I was reading Dr. Michael Catt. He's 
retiring from Sherwood Baptist Church. You've probably heard of it down in Albany, Georgia. Been there 32 years. I always say anybody can live in Albany 32 years is pretty tough. Amen? <laughs> no. Uh, Dr. Cat, he's a wonderful man of God. And I visited his church a little on vacation and on the way back from vacation. And he has um, been greatly and mildly used of the Lord. But years ago, he had recommended some books by a man named Andy Andrews that some of you may have heard of. And I read some of Andy Andrews' books that are rather interesting. There's something Andy put in one of his books recently that Michael shared yesterday that I think speaks to this point I'm making about the psalmist saying, I'm looking and my eyes are failing from looking into your word. He said this. He said, everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. But if you'll remember, mountaintops are rocky and cold. There is no growth on the top of the mountain. Sure, the view is great, but what's the view for? A view just gives us a glimpse of our next destination or our next target. But to hit that target, we must come down off the mountain. We must go through the valley and begin to climb the next slope. It is in the valley that we slog through the lush grass and rich soil, learning and becoming what enables us to summit life's next peak. Wow. We love the mountaintops, don't we? Oh, it's a beautiful view from up there. We live in the greatest county in the state of Alabama. Amen, don't y'all think so? Hey, we got the highest hill in the county. That's our boast, right? Highest hill in the state. But I've been many times out to Ball Rock just like you, and it's a beautiful view on a clear day. You can see for a long ways, and you take your binoculars, you can point out a lot of landmarks, and it's a nice view and an exhilarating feeling. Sometimes you got to come down. Ladies and gentlemen, in life, we like to enjoy the mountaintop experiences, and you should, but just remember, there comes a point that the reason you're there is for you to look to where God's taking you, not just to hang out there by yourself. And when you're looking to see where God's taking you, and when God gives you a burden for where he's taking you, then you got to come down. And in order to get there, guess what you got to do? you got to go through the valley. Nobody likes the valleys, do we? We don't like the valleys. It reminds me of Alexandria, which we whooped them again yesterday, praise God. But anyhow, I understand. It reminds me of terrible places like Alexandria. But nevertheless, we go through the valley. You know the reason we have to go through the valley? is because in the valley is the rich soil that we must spend some time in cultivating our dream and our burden and our purpose and our passion to climb the next mountain. Hey, look here. Aren't you grateful? There are too many of God's people that have got to a mountaintop and say, whoo, this is good. I'm just going to hang out here. And they've never fulfilled their ultimate purpose. Let me say this to you, church. We have we see God leading us. We've climbed to some mountaintops. We've seen God do some great things. But I want you to know it's merely a part of getting to our ultimate purpose of where God's leading us. And for the past 12 months, you know what we had to do? We had to come off the mountain. Amen. Has anybody been on the mountain lately? 
If you have, would you show me how to get there? I'm telling you, I'd like to go up there. But I'm just telling you, lately, here's where we've been. We've been down there in the valley. But listen, the valley is not for no reason. The valley's got us there for a purpose. We're there. We're digging deeper into the Word. We're going deeper with God. And here's what He's doing. He's putting a burning passion in our soul for our next targets. roads other night <laughs> the American dream dusty roads and his tag team partner Thunderbolt Patterson you know what I mean man woo tell you something Rick Flair <laughs> oh me I guess that's one good thing about growing up on Georgia championship wrestling you got plenty of stories to tell your kids amen oh no we're coming through this valley give us a burden to get to the next mountaintop amen I want you to know this valley has really given me a burden for what's next you know what I hear people saying sometimes don't do this okay what else can go wrong no 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 no, 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 no. and I, what I'm saying to myself is not what else can go wrong but Lord what's next See, you think, oh, well, we, we've established partnerships in Utah. That's a good, no, that's not. That's a jumping off point. My, my dream is to have partnerships all across this continent and around the world. Man, do you know why that's my dream? Because it's God's dream. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Start at your front door, your Jerusalem, and preach the gospel. That's what he said. I didn't say it. I'm just delivering the mail, church. And if we ever get to a mountaintop and say, well, that's good. No, just remember, we're coming back down to get some new marching orders for the next target. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. He talks about discernment, verses 124 and verse 125. I could talk for an hour about discernment. I know we've all had to learn about that. He said this, verse 25, he said, Lord, I want to know that I may know what he means is it's to know by experience. He wants to live God's word. And experience is what differs the gathering of information from a true Christ-honoring experience. A lot of people are depositories of information but yet have yet to put their information into practice. I had some seminary professors that were wonderful. Man, I did. I had some that were practical, some that were just wonderful, but I had some too that were just mechanical. Da 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 da. Just sit there and da 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 da. And the Lord said, da 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 da. I mean, just you know. I think when did it? When did you lose it, man? When did the word become so boring to you? When did you lose your passion for Jesus? God help us. We don't need to be mechanical. We need to be involved and not just letting our Knowledge puff us up. We need to be experienced in this life Jesus meant for us to live. And in verse 126, I'm going to park it here because this is what really speaks to my heart. He says, It's time for you to act, Lord. For they have regarded your law as void. He said, Lord, it's time for you to do something. 
Here's what the psalmist was saying. He said, Lord, I'm submitting myself completely and totally to your lordship. I am under your authority. Here's what he senses the need to do. He senses the need that he might decrease so that the Lord might increase. Wait, wait a minute. I've heard that before, hadn't you? Didn't somebody else say that in the Gospel of John chapter 3? Right after this man named John the Baptist baptized Jesus. You, you see, John, he was the headliner. Okay? If there were Bible conferences in his day, let's just talk for a minute, he was the headliner. He was the one everybody would have came to see, rented a motel room and bought the t-shirt. John the Baptist, he's the bomb. I'll get that. Man, he had, he, was, he had it going on, okay? But in John 1, the first time he laid on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, he saw him coming. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Jesus walked 70 miles to get baptized. I don't want you to ever forget that. It means it's pretty important. He walked down into Jordan presented himself for baptism. John's like, I can't even unlace your shoelaces. Jesus said, John, nevertheless, suffer it to be so. You know what he's saying? This is the will of my Father. We must fulfill the Father's will. From the moment he baptized him till the Spirit of God descended like a dove and rested on him, and the voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. From that moment, John's ministry was no longer on the rise. He was fixing to become less and less and less because Jesus was about to take center stage. Oh, John, did he get upset? Did he call the, the board of traveling preachers and complain? <laughs> he just said, it's time for me to get small so he can get big. It's time that I might decrease, that he might increase. And I want you to hear me, church. It's time the church follows suit. It's time for us to quit trying to make a big deal out of who we are and what we got and all this kind of stuff and just decrease in and of ourselves that we might make his name much greater than our own. Amen? It's so important. I've, it's been my experience over the years in ministry. I've had so many people say, you know what, I'd come to church here, you know, and I like your passion and all that, but what, what can y'all do for me? And I'll be honest with you, I'm really tired of hearing that. Can I just let my hair down here? 50 years old, you can let your hair down and tell what's on your mind. Amen? I get really tired of hearing that because that's the wrong question. Y'all stay with me here. Two minutes, two seconds. You need to hear this. If that's the question we're asking, that's the wrong question. Well, preacher, if that's the wrong question, give me the right question. Here it is. Not what can the church do for me, but how might God use me as a vessel of honor for his glory in and through this church? It's too much consumeristic. 
We've raised a generation of consumers that just look for something that makes them feel all warm and fuzzy inside and takes care of all their needs. They don't have to do anything. That's not raising disciples and that's not being mentor. We, we've got to get folks asking the right questions. How might God use me? Because here's what I know about ministry and I haven't learned much but I know this. The reason God brings people to the body is because there's areas that maybe only you can be of help for. You know, too many pastors, here's what I've heard them over the years, they'll call them rent. I'm, I'm, uh, out of, I'm looking for a place, and here's kind of what I'm looking for. They'll give me the size of church. They'll give me everything. Income, all, they'll give me all these things. This is kind of what I'm looking for. here's what I know when God when God saved me I died but when he called me I stood there let me say this to you Heifer Moon I am grateful to God for you God has used you and y'all take very good care of me and my family and I am grateful don't you ever forget don't let anybody tell you different I can tell you there were some days that wasn't true. Not here, but I'm telling you, along my journey, there were some days that I wondered, what have I done? But you know what God was doing for me, Mr. Gene? He was taking me through the valley so he could teach me some things, so I could experience some difficulty, some oppression, and so that I would get a burden and never lose it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not about what makes us big. It's how we make him big. He said, Lord, it's time for you to act. And I'm going to leave you with something Spurgeon said. Spurgeon, that was a guy that had a little wisdom, didn't he? Yes, he did, preacher. He had a bunch. And here's what he said, and I bet many of you and I, many of us, but you and I, many of us, can agree with this statement. He said, I've seen enough in my own lifetime to fill a volume, means a big old book, concerning the goodness of the Lord in answer to his children's prayers. Let me say it again. He said, I've seen enough in my lifetime. I'm going to paraphrase for you. I have seen enough in my lifetime to fill libraries full of books in response to the goodness of God concerning his children's prayers. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a good, good father. <laughs> he is worthy of our prayer. And here's what I pray is your legacy, mine, and the ministry of this church is that when our days are over, people can look at our lives and say, he, she, or they were a group of people fully devoted to following Jesus. Period. I mean, I am so grateful for how God has taught me that 
and how God continues to teach me that because friends that's really all that's going to matter when this is over pray with me Lord Jesus we are so thankful for your word today I'm thankful, Father, that we can call on you today and ask for relief from our oppressors. I'm thankful that we can call on you today and say, Lord, I really want you to act. Because I want the world to see how great you are. This generation of people that have called your word void Lord, we know that it is truth. God, help us to carry the torch to a lost and hurting world to remind them that your word, this truth has never been canceled. It's not voided. It is forever settled in heaven. And just because you may have delayed in acting and bringing judgment does not mean that judgment's canceled either. And what may look like a delay on our part is right on time with you. Father, help us to develop within this body your church people who are fully devoted to following you God may there never be a mist in this pulpit that would create a fog in those pews but God may the heart of this preacher stay right with you may you have full and complete control over my thoughts and my actions May I be reminded that every one of those greatly affects your testimony to a lost world. God, may I remind your people of the same. And Father, when we leave this building today, and we can go forth from these walls into this world, realizing that oppression will be there, disappointment, discouragement will be there, but you will still be Lord. And we can trust you because your word is true. Lord, I love you. I bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you thank the Lord for speaking to us today? Sir, just thank him for speaking to us. I sure love the word of God, don't you? And the reason I do is because I love the God of the word who first loved me gave himself for me through his son Jesus. Amen. Hey, a couple things before we dismiss today. I've started doing this this week because as things are hopefully relaxing and a little bit, we hope and we're praying for, uh, you know what, the, the yesterday here at the uh, uptown yesterday morning, uh, the reporter from the paper came up to me. He, oh, Bill, he's my bud. He, hey, Bill, preach, I need to ask you something. He says, do you think we're done with this COVID thing? 
before, I tell you, when we speak as a prophet, I said, I, or we're on the upswing, I said, well, here's the deal, Bill. Who knows? <laughs> I said, I'm optimistic and I'm prayerful, but I fully believe everything's in God's hands. Amen. Amen. I think he quoted me pretty right. Y'all read it? I think he did. It's in the paper today, right? He said, I just want him to know, and I want the world to know. We've learned how quick things can change. But regardless, it's in the Lord's hands. Thank God for what he's done for us, allowed advancements in medicine and the availability of a vaccine and all that kind of stuff. And I'm still watching what that does to y'all. But anyhow, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, and I've heard of a variety of reports. You know, some people very little. Uh, some people, the second one was worse than the first. I mean, some, uh, nothing, no big deal. And some couldn't get out of bed for a couple of days. I, I just think it's like anything else. It depends on the person. And I know me, I'd be that guy. I'd be like, well, we tried to tell him. But anyhow, yeah. But <laughs> nevertheless, um, we're seeing God do some great things. And you say, well, it's just medicine. It's advancement. Listen here. There is no knowledge on the sun that doesn't come from God above. Amen. So whatever's happening, he's doing it. So do remember those things uh, going forward. Uh, and just begin, you know, I just told him yesterday, it's in God's hands. So this whole thing is in God's hands. Let me see, there's Mr. Mr. Jim. I want to speak to you on Mr. Nettie, Mr. Jim's behalf today. Miss Nettie spoke with me this week, and uh, Mr. Jim, they, they don't live in our area. They live up close to where Caitlin's going to be moving to soon. Did I just say that? I didn't say that, did I? Okay. I didn't, did I acknowledge that, Nettie? I acknowledge that publicly. Okay, I'm gonna, uh, maybe I, that's healthy for me. But um, they... Um, or they live in Gurley, Alabama, but our church family has been their source of ministry and encouragement for the past year or so, or longer maybe, and she said, even though we don't live in the area, we'd like to be part of the Heflin Baptist Church, support what God's doing, and be a part of that fellowship. So would you join me in welcoming Jim and Nettie Farrow to the Heflin Baptist Church family, amen. I'll tell you, a lot of things are going to change, and they are changing, and how we do ministry and how we reach people are very different now. A year ago, we didn't have all of these options, we're just, and we've just added added internet options, and we're going to be able to minister to a lot of people beyond our immediate area through that, and I'm so grateful, and thank you for your confidence in us, thank you for your prayers, and we're excited about what God is doing. You know, I heard something this week, went to a conference Tuesday night, uh, on uh, for pastors on the post-quarantine church, you know, how, what to prepare for and all this. Y'all not going to believe what the speaker said. Wonderful speaker, did a great job. He said, guys, I just need y'all to know, in case you hadn't heard, he said, there is no growth in the comfort zone. <laughs> and there is no comfort in the growth zone. And I'm like, man, a lot, look at there. And I'll be honest, I'm sure I stole it from somebody because I don't have any original thoughts. There's people stealing stuff out there. I'm saying, no. <laughs> no, it's all good because here's the deal. He's exactly right. That's why I tell you, I'm very uncomfortable right now. And, and I pray you are too. I really do. I mean, I don't want you to be overly burdened. I'm just saying, I'm uncomfortable because God's, God's. Yesterday I was talking with the Lord, spent some time with the Lord yesterday afternoon. You know, I was pr cutting down some crepe myrtles. Y'all got crepe myrtles? Uh, they're not bad. You can come down. I tell you what, I hate those holly bushes. Those are from the devil. I mean, uh, we had those in Georgia, and I threatened to burn them every year. But I, but no, my crepe myrtles, I was cutting them back yesterday. I was talking to the Lord about them. You know what the Lord reminded me? He said, uh, Brent, this is what I have to do to you sometimes. 
and all my children, give them some dead branches. And I got to cut you back so you can bring forth new stuff. Wow. Me and Jesus had quite a time. I also talked to him a lot during that 3.1 mile 5K yesterday. <laughs> Tell you what, I talked to him a lot. I was like, you know what Robbie said? Robbie, our mayor, he encouraged me. He said, I'm glad you made it. I didn't want to have to explain to the church tomorrow. We lost you out there by being slave. He said, I'd had some folks mad at me. I said, no, it might have been a celebration. <laughs> but I'm glad we can have fun. Amen. Sunrise service. I forgot to mention this earlier. I bet you've been wondering, hadn't you? Somebody say yeah. Okay, good. 626 is sunrise time on April 4th. We're going to meet second turn off, scenic drive, about 615-ish. And have the sunrise service. I'm sorry I didn't mention it earlier. I didn't check the sunrise time earlier, but we did the first service. Um, last year we did it virtually, which was a blessing. And I told somebody, please come, me and Steve. We had a lonely time up there last year, but but the Lord was there, wasn't He, Steve? He was. He was. It was just really sweet, and I'm just glad we're going to be able to gather up there and and just have a, that sunrise service. So pray for good weather. Pray for an unclouded day. Amen. But just know this, friends. Uh, church family there's a lot of things I have to share with you stuff I don't get joy out of that but I tell you this I do care more about how you stand with God than anything on the sun so at the end of the service I've started going around out while we're singing out and get out front if you have anything you need you have somebody pray with you you got questions about uh, salvation or you, you're not sure you'd go to heaven if you died today if you have questions about your service, Lord, you'd say, hey, you know what? I, I need to, my family needs a church home, and I'd like to make Heaven Best my church home. I'll be out there to meet you, talk with you about it. Uh, you know, I haven't had any shots, so I, I may be live. I don't know. I mean, I, but I'm just saying, I just, I just, I, I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. This past year has stunk as far as I'm used to hugging people and, and helping people and getting down there in the ditch with you. And this past year, I've had to be like, I wanted up under weed, but do you want me there? You know, it's been really hard, and I know y'all know how hard it's been. But if you have any needs, myself, several of our deacons will be out there. We'll be glad to pray with you because we love you, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Stand with us. <laughs>